Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is Penny Matthews, and I serve as communion preparation in our congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in us. As we prepare for worship, let us bow our heads in prayer. God of love, light a flame of love in our hearts to you, a flame of love to our families and friends, a flame of love to our neighbors, a flame of love to our enemies. Son of the Creator, light a flame of love in our hearts to all, from the lowest, lowliest thing that lives to the name that is highest of all. Amen. Now as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Will you please stand for the call to worship? For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let us worship God.
God knows us intimately. There is nowhere that we can go that is apart from him and nothing that can separate us from the love, God's love for us in Christ Jesus. When we confess our sins, it is not God who discovers our sinfulness. Rather, it is our eyes that are opened to the presence of those sins, and we begin the journey toward healing and reconciliation. So let us confess our sins to God, confident in his amazing love. Let us pray. God of life, grant us your forgiveness. We have been heedless in our thoughts, cruel in our words, shameful in our actions. We are indifferent to a world made sad by want and wastefulness. We pass by on the other side when we see our neighbor in need. We wander from the way that leads to peace in paths of our own pleasing. God of life, grant us your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. Scripture tells us that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our God fulfills his promises and is true to his word. Therefore, we have confessed our sins, and so God has forgiven us who are in Christ Jesus. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. of witnesses, believers across the globe and down through the ages, let us state what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now we invite you in the love of Christ to turn and greet your neighbors.
Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to worship here at Church of the Palms. We're glad that we are greeted by such a beautiful day and it gives us just one more reason to be thankful and to worship our good Lord. And we hope that you will find this to be a place where you can do that and also feel like you are a part of the body of Christ, especially if you're new to our community. And we are especially thankful that you're here and we would love to know who you are by signing the friendship pads which are in the pew and we hope that as you take a look at the church bulletin and even more importantly the church website and our connect magazine all these means of communication uh, that you might find a place for you here at church of the palms a way for you to be uh, in ministry with us and uh, we are uh, full-fledged into our fall season. Our senior highs are off at uh, Rock the Universe, and so they're enjoying that time away. And we are looking forward to be the beginning of our uh, children and youth small groups that start this morning. And so you're certainly welcome to uh, get your kids over there after our service from 10.15 to 11 o'clock. Also at 10.15, we have our new members class if you'd like to learn more about Life here at Church of the Palms, we would love for you to come and join us right next door in the chapel at uh, 1015. We will look forward to sharing with you a little about what's going on here and how you might want to be a part of our life. And again, we invite you to join us at the Welcome Center after the service. If you are, again, if you're new and like to learn more about what's going on here, uh, folks back there will be glad to greet you and welcome you and uh, help you with any questions that you might have. We uh, have our little nominating form that's in your bulletin. If you would like to uh, pass on to us the names of people that you think would be uh, good leaders here in our church, descriptions of leadership positions are available on that insert, and we would love to hear from you. If you'd like to nominate yourself, uh, cast all humility aside and put your name down. And, uh, and if you are gonna be nominating somebody else, uh, you might wanna let them know that you're doing that. So. Um, <laughs> Uh, but uh, we are grateful that we can uh, uh, bring into our midst a new generation of leadership. Let's continue our worship.
of 9-11, and I'd like to begin our prayer time with a moment of silence. Let us pray. Most gracious and loving God, we thank you for your blessing of our lives, freedom and abundant provision of our needs. We thank you that on this day, we don't only remember the tragedy of 15 years ago, but by your grace, we also count our blessings. And we know that in the end, it is your kingdom that prevails, your love that endures and your name that gives hope. God of mercy and justice, Lord of all history, giver of steadfast love, in the confidence of your coming kingdom, we ask your presence with us as we commemorate 9-11. Give comfort to those who lost family and friends they loved on that day. Gracious God, console the loved ones of those who have died in the ongoing wars and struggles since then, we pray. Be with the people of the military, missionaries, and others who with courage walk in the front lines of conflict, we pray. Help us to learn from what happened then and what has happened since. Hold us to treating others as we would like to be treated, we pray. Guide us into the paths of peace. Reminds us you are the one God and that you created and love all peoples. Teach us how to, be, how to love you and how to love our neighbors, we pray. Lord, we yearn for the peace that only comes in your holy grace. Touch our hearts and actions. Shape our human history closer to the pyramids of your heavenly kingdom, we pray. Hear us as we lift up those facing surgery this coming week and those who are not well. Touch them with your healing power, we pray. Comfort those who mourn and give peace to those who are getting ready to come home to you. We bring our prayers to you, spoken and unspoken, in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now let us continue to worship God through the giving of our tithings and morning offerings.
Let us pray. We believe in you, O our one God. We believe in you that you provide us for all that we need and more each day of our lives. At this moment in worship, we come before you lifting these, our gifts and offerings so that your love and peace may fill this world and these our offerings and ourselves may be your instruments of peace and love and justice all the, in all the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please be seated as our children come forward with friend Patterson. She's gonna be moving. Good morning. All the children wanna come forward? Okay. Come on up. How are you today? Good. We're gonna talk about helpers today. And I wanted to ask you a question first. Do you know of any helpers? Can you name any helpers that are out there? Here we go. The Navy? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyone else? You have one? No? I see a ham way down there. Policeman. <laughs> okay, we have a lot of helpers all around us, though. We have firemen. We have emergency people. We have doctors. We have lots and lots of people around us who are helpers. And they're all very special to us because they really take care of us in time of need. The police also are our favorite friends because they're out there to protect us. So how wonderful is all of that? But I brought a special couple of helpers with me today. They're called acolytes, and we're gonna talk about them a little bit later. But I have another helper that you might recognize. I think you might know this guy. And I think he does a lot of big helping, doesn't he? <laughs> does everybody know who he is? That's ironic. So this is our other helper. But we wanted to especially talk to this morning about acolytes. Acolytes are helpers too. And what they do is they, first of all, in the beginning of the service, have you ever noticed what they do? What do they do, anyone? Like candles. They like candles, okay? They brought in their tapers to show you what they look like and how they work. And when we bring the light in, we leave it right up there behind you on the communion table and on the candles. And you know what light represents? It represents the presence of God in our midst. How great is that? That they have the uh, job 
to bring up to the altar the light of Christ. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness and have the light of life. How important that is that we recognize that Jesus, when we follow him, he becomes and becomes the light for us throughout our lives. He helps us to see things. He helps us to find our way as we walk through life. So it's great to be his follower. The other things that acolytes do are they bring in the cross up here behind you, and they also bring in the Bible. These are two things that are very, very important to our faith. Without the cross, we wouldn't have had Jesus, but God sent him so that we might get into a relationship and follow him, and then he becomes our light. So everything fits together. The Bible is the word of God, and how important that is to our faith, because it tells us all about Jesus. So we are here today to show you what you can become if you wish. You can also be an acolyte, and we want to invite all of you to do that. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for our acolytes. We want to thank you for what they mean to the congregation, for they bring in your light for all of us. And then at the end of the service, as they extinguish the candles and walk out, they show that we are to walk out with your light into the world and to share it. Their job is extremely important and they're always faithful and love their job. So we thank you, Lord, for their service and for their help as we ask today also that you remember all those who gave their lives on 9-11. And Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for these people. We thank you for helpers. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, time to go upstairs.
may be seated. Our scripture this morning is taken from Genesis chapters two and three. Hear the word of God. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to till it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You shall not touch it or you shall die. But the serpent said to the man, to the woman, you won't die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. And then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy we pray, O Lord, that you will inhabit these words to come that within them we may find your spirit pointing us to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ, for we pray this in his name, amen. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. So begins Charles Dickens, A Tale of Two Cities, perhaps one of the most quoted first lines of a novel. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. You can't always judge a book by its first line. Lots of books have good first lines, but then they're followed by not such good stories, so we don't remember the good first lines. But Dickens' story is every bit as good as its first line, and that's why every one of us, I think, has probably quoted it at some point. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. This morning, we are going to start another journey through the most talked about story in the history of Western civilization. The story of God as witnessed by the people of God, the people of Israel and the people of the church. The story of God is contained in the Bible, a story that we know as the word of God. This collection of books that the people of God by faith attest to as the account of God and God's relationship with the world. 
We are doing this year as we did the last two years. We are starting at the beginning of the book, starting at the beginning of the story, and following through the year the great arc of the biblical narrative. We call it the narrative lectionary. And in doing so, remembering the great plot line of God and his people, the headlines of which could be that God redeems, that God, that God creates, God redeems, and God sustains. In between that plot, there are lots of ups and downs, like a good story, like your story, my story. There are lots of twists and turns, lots of hills and valleys. But through it all, in the best of times and in the worst of times, God loves us. God loves us because he creates us. God loves us because he redeems us. And God loves us in that he sustains us. This is the ultimate testimony of God's people that no matter where we are in the story, happy times, sad times, good times, bad times, God is loving us through to the end by creating us, by redeeming us, and by sustaining us. It's a great story, and maybe it's a great story because of how it begins. It has this great first line. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while the Spirit of God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good. God saw that the light was good. And that's not the only thing that God saw that was good. God saw that the land was good. God saw that the sun and the moon were good. God saw that the plants were good. God saw that the animals were good. And God saw that the man and the woman were, were good. What a great first line. Sometimes, you know, we can forget this first line of the story, that, that God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. It's, it's strange how we can forget that. We human beings have enormous capacity to do so many things, and it turns out that one of our greatest capacities is to forget the essence of our creation, that when God created you, when God created me, what he saw was good. God got, got tickled when he saw what ended up as you. And that goes not just for you and for me, but for everything. When it comes to what God creates, what he sees is good. From aardvarks to zebras, what God creates, he sees is good. And it's good because everything has its place in the created order. Everything has a place in creation. Every single cell, every single organism, every single body, every single soul, every single person has its unique place in God's created order. And pretty much every bit of creation accepts that. Every bit of creation accepts its little role in the great created order of God. Everyone, except perhaps you and me. We have this capacity to think that, that maybe, just maybe, though, though God is pretty tickled with who we are, maybe, just maybe, we need to be something we're not. We need to live outside of our means. We need to do some add-ons. 
Maybe, just maybe, we say to ourselves, you know, if I was just more like that guy or that girl, well, then life would be a little bit better for me. Pretty much every Saturday morning, Amanda and I drive down to the beach and walk as the sun is just coming up. It's a great time just to be on your own and out there next to the water and the sand and see all those birds, all those birds. And I'm a big fan of, of brown pelicans. I like watching those brown pelicans kind of fly about three inches off the water. It's, you know, it's a kind of a goofy looking creature. It has some pretty straight, does some pretty strange things up in the air and in the water. And it's got this beak that's a mile long. And it's got this pouch through which it catches its breakfast. And the, and the thing about these brown pelicans, as far as I can tell, is they don't seem to, be, to want to be anything else. They're, they're kind of good with who they are. They're not looking at the egrets or the herons or the occasional eagle and saying, man, wish I was like one of those. They're not trying to find a mirror and wondering about you know, how much their neckline sags. They're just them. They know their place. They don't really know anything else. And so as the story goes, God creates man and woman and puts them in the garden. And as far as we can tell, it's a pretty good garden. God saw that the garden was good. God saw that the man was good. God saw that the woman was good. It's all good. But then there comes this moment when the man and the woman wonder you know, maybe, maybe it's, it's, it's not good enough. Maybe there could be something more, and the voice of the adversary suggests to them that, that as good as they got it, that maybe they need to improve on things. God, God called it good, but is that really all you want, just good? You know, there may be a chance, the adversary says, there may be a chance to get you into something great. And that, of course, is when the trouble begins. And isn't that the truth about your life and mine, that the trouble begins when we forget the first part of the story, when we forget that when we came forth from our mother's womb, it was so good. There was a place in the good created order just for you, that life is about what you got and not about what you don't got. A story that predates even most of the Bible is the story out of Aesop's fables about the dog with the bone. You remember the story. The dog's got his bone. He's happy with his bone. He feels lucky that he's even got a bone. And then he crosses that dumb bridge and looks down into that reflection in the water. And what does he see? He sees another dog. He sees another dog with a bone. And man, wouldn't it be nice to have that bone too? And the dog makes his play for the bone, and we know what happens. It's when the trouble begins. 
Now, don't get me wrong. I am not talking against human aspiration. I'm not suggesting that you and I should not reach as far as we can reach, that we are not to try to live into the fullest expression of ourselves. It's one of the great adventures of life, right? To be everything that we were created to be. And it is also one of the great learnings of life, discovering the incredible value in our uniqueness. Our, our greatest offering to the world is in the particular way we are different. I don't know about you, but when I was 15 years old, I was trying to become everything I wasn't. I was trying to become something that was not unique. I was trying to become like everybody else. I was trying to wear the clothes that everybody else was wearing. I was trying to be in that place that everybody was going. I wanted to, you know, be liked by everybody. And what I didn't want to be was myself. But one of the great learnings in life is learning not just who we are, but that God called it good. Some of you know that I collect pennies, Lincoln had pennies from 1909 up to the current day. And what you discover when you collect coins is that some of the most valuable coins are the coins that got minted differently than the others. They have something different about them that happened when the die struck the coin, a, a letter or a number, a little bit out of place, a marking that the rest don't have. So for me, of course, the holy grail of penny collecting is the 1955 double-dyed Lincoln set. The, the die hit the metal twice and created a, a double impression. A few thousand of them have been produced amidst tens and of millions back in 1955, and they're a little bit different than the rest of them and because they're different, they cost a bajillion dollars. This is one of the holy grails of penny collecting. But its value is in its uniqueness. And what some would call blemish, a collector calls treasure. Tom Brokaw, most would contend, was one of the most trusted broadcasters in television in the latter half of the 20th century, second perhaps to Walter Cronkite. Americans for a long time came to count on Mr. Brokaw for the news straight up. And what was amazing about this trusted voice is that it had an impediment. There were letters that Tom Brokaw could not pronounce. And in spite of it, or maybe because of it, Americans believed that the uniqueness of Tom Brokaw lent itself to his authenticity. God saw it and called it good. Remember that great line in the chorus line where Cassie the dancer is trying out for a Broadway show. When she was young, she started as a dancer and did well, and then she decided that there had to be more, so she goes to Los Angeles to be an actress. Not enough to be a dancer, she must be an actress. So she tries and she tries and she auditions and she auditions, but none of the good acting parts come her way, and then she realizes finally, I'm not an actress. And when she comes back to Broadway to audition, the director asks her why she's not in Los Angeles becoming an actress. And she says, I'm a dancer. And a dancer dances. So the evil one slithers through the grass of the garden and says, you know, you're not just a woman. You're a god. You know, you're not just a dancer. You're an actress. You know, you're not just a pelican, you're an eagle. 
You know, you're not just a good 15-year-old kid. You're one of those kids over there that's trying to be cool. You're not just a good family man with hair thinning and expanding waistline. No, you have to reinvent yourself into someone who will be noticed. You're not just someone who is content with three square meals and a roof over your head and a car that starts in the morning. No, you need to max out your credit card and live far beyond your means. How tempting to forget how the story begins and God said, let there be light and there was light and the light he saw was good. And God said, let there be a garden and there was a garden and God saw that the garden was good. And God said, let there be a gardener. Let let there be a John and and a Sally and a Tom and a Tony and an Andrea and a Sarah and a Roger and a Mary. And, and, And there was a John and a Sally and a Tony and an Andrea and a Sarah and a Roger and a Mary. And God saw that the John and the Sally and the Tony and the Andrea and the Sarah and the Roger and the Mary were good, very good. Oh, that we would remember how the story begins, how tickled God was and how tickled God still is with the likes of you. And when you discover, said Martin Luther King once, and when you discover what you will be in your life, set out to do it as if God Almighty called you at this particular moment in history to do it. Don't just set out to do a good job, set out to do such a good job that the living and the dead or the unborn couldn't do it any better. If it falls to your lot to be a street sweeper, sweep streets like Michelangelo painted pictures, sweep streets like Beethoven composed music, sweep streets like Leontine Price sings before the Metropolitan Opera, sweep streets like Shakespeare wrote poetry, sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will have to pause and say, here lived a great street sweeper who swept his job well. If you can't be a pine at the top of the hill, be a shrub in the valley. Be the best little shrub on the side of the hill. Be a bush if you're not going to be a tree. If you can't be a highway, just be a trail. If you can't be a sun, then be a star. For it isn't by size that you win or fail. Be the best of whatever you are.
may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Mm -hmm.